The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, my prayer this morning is that be my voice, your words. And Lord, as we focus on that, Lord, would you please help us to hear from a God who is perfect in his wisdom and perfect in his love. Uh, Lord, I know this, the scripture that we look at today really gets into our everyday lives. So Lord, may, I think it's so important that we remember who it is that's talking to us, uh, that you're perfect in wisdom and love. Um, so, Spirit of God, minister, I pray powerfully. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, there, there you have it right there, the smart home. I won't ask how many of you all have a smart home. I'll ask along with me, how many of you have a dumb home? Anybody? I was like, hey, there's quite a few of you have a dumb home. Okay. I, I was thinking about that. I think our most advanced technology in our house is our thermostat. I'm not sure, but, uh, and that's been around since I was a kid. Now, we also have remote controls, and uh, what else we got? Radios, pretty high-tech. Alarm clocks, uh, pretty good. I think that's about it. We have a remote control fireplace now. That's something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's electric, but still. Uh, but at least, well, at least there's not that little tube spinning around like they used to have it. It's a little bit better than that. Anyway, the, uh, <clears throat> as we think about the whole idea of a smart home, Scripture gives us what God calls a smart home, I think, very clearly if we look at it uh, in a couple of different books of the Bible. So we are going to look today at uh, some passages that uh, <clears throat> I would say could be called the rules for relationships. Now, I'm going to say that, okay, um, both in the book of Ephesians, which we've been studying. By the way, this is the last text that we haven't hit yet in Ephesians. So we're going to look at that today. Uh, it, is, it has a parallel passage over in the book of Colossians. So as we look at this, I'm real sorry. I'm, <clears throat> I think it's allergies, but they just, they just attacked me. So I'm like, <gasps> got to get my breath. We're, we're okay here. But uh, <clears throat> so I might be a little raspy. I didn't realize that. I guess I haven't talked much this morning. But uh, we'll go ahead. So anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Do you remember? Sorry, I got sidetracked by the fact that I was losing my voice. Ephesians and Colossians, right? We're going to talk about rules for relationships. But uh, with that, I, I want to go a little bit different with the sermon because normally I'd say, okay, now let's look at our text. We're going to look at our text. We're going to go through and, and uh, take it apart piece, piece by piece. But before we do that, as I was studying about the family this week, there's a few different ideas that I think it's important that we have in our brains as we attack it. So they give us some context as we look at it, okay? So we are going to look uh, at Ephesians, the end of Ephesians chapter 5. I think we're going to start in verse number 22, and then we're going to go on into Ephesians chapter 6. But first of all, I want you to remember a little bit, before Paul talks about this section, before he talks about, again, what I'm going to call the rules for relationships. Oh, you know what? Let me say this, too. First point of context we need to remember, whenever I use that word rules, these are the things that God wants us to do. I want you to remember, and this is so important, that Paul has already talked, especially in Ephesians chapter 2, about the fact that rules in no way get anybody to heaven, or keeping rules do not get anybody to heaven. He has made it very plain that people do not get to heaven because of good works. They get to heaven through faith in the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who laid down His life. When we believe in them, then we have eternal life. 
So I, I don't want to start off in chapter 5, and because of that, you think, well, this is what I have to do to get to heaven. By the way, hey, thanks. That's the nicest thing anybody's done for me today. Uh, the, uh, by the way, if you, I'll, I'll cover my mic so you don't hear the guzzling. If you um, think, Pastor, you say that a lot. Uh, if I could explain this to you, I probably am going to continue to say that a lot. Something that broke my heart a few years ago uh, my mom and dad uh, started going to church about the same time I did and uh, talked about, you know, their relationship with the Lord and began to see them grow and stuff like that. Mom was the church secretary. Dad was a deacon, everything like that. A, a couple of months before mom passed away, uh, which was, you know, just about four years ago now, a couple of months before that, one day she said to me, Dan, I just hope I'm good enough. And that just broke my heart. Because I thought after all these years of hearing the gospel that it is not about being good enough. It's not about our good works. I was like, Mom, no, don't say that. It just broke my heart to hear her say that. And I don't want any of you to ever walk out of here and think, yeah, you earn your way to heaven. You do enough good things. Because the Bible has the total opposite message of that. It tells us that we can't do good, good enough. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And we get... Uh, our restored relationship with Him, and we get eternal life when we come to Him in faith. I want to make sure that we don't get lost in that as we attack some rules for relationships. But, again, in the context, before God gives us these ways that we, uh, we can function well and in a smart home, I want you to remember that He has already said, this is a verse you might remember from a few weeks ago, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. It's that idea that the Spirit life is supposed to control us. When we come to Christ, He gives us His Spirit, and now we want to walk in that newness of life. So this is part of how we are to walk in that new life. And then Ephesians 5.21 kicks off this passage, and what it says is that we are to, to submit to one another. Okay, so it's, in other words, it says this life of following Christ is about living for others. We're to submit for others, putting others first in that idea. That's how it works. And then, as I mentioned, Colossians has a similar passage. Uh, I think Paul did a little bit of copy and paste uh, on his letter to the Colossians, but he took out a few parts. It's a little shorter. He condenses it. But basically, uh, some of you are familiar with the verses where the Bible talks about, it says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. This is in the context here where he says, whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord. Now, here's what we are to do in our family lives. So, Here's what it looks like to walk in the Spirit in your family. Here's what it looks like to give your best to the Lord in your family. That's what we're going to look at, okay? Now, one other important idea that I want to say to give context to what we're going to talk about here is the importance of the traditional family. Now, I wrote this statement uh, into my sermon early in the week, and I've been praying every day. Uh, including this morning, that um, God would give me the right spirit as I say this, because I don't want to be the person who is like, uh, I'm better than you. Uh, I am more spiritual than you. I am holier than you. My sin doesn't stink. Okay? There's too many people in here who know me. If I get up and try to pretend like, boy, I am, I am better than other people or I am more righteous than other people in my own do, uh, life and, and everything like that, say, Here's what I need to do when I say this, though, and I, I want to make this very plain. I am going to say this because of what my job is. My job is to teach what God says. Okay, so when I say traditional family, I want you to know I'm not talking about two adults and some kids. I'm talking about a man and a woman. 
and they, uh, their biological children and their adopted children, a man and a woman. Okay, and please, I, I, again, I said, Lord, please don't give me a self-righteous spirit when I say that. I'm not mad at anybody or attacking anybody. I'm trying to teach what God says is His plan for a traditional family, a man and a woman. Okay, very, very plainly, uh, I think that is the context uh, throughout Scripture. That's the message that, that He gives. In fact, I'm even going to say this. As I was studying about marriage, by the way, uh, Mr. Kanabi back there, how you doing? Okay, Kate, your daughter's getting married in a few days. You nervous at all? Okay, your only line is her mother and I. You got it? Okay. Okay, but uh, I did want to warn you of this. Since I got to study, since I got to study uh, a lot about marriage and family this week, I got a lot of material. So it could be a real long wedding ceremony. I'm just telling you. Uh, could, could be. You're going to get... Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell them to make sure they're breathing and they don't pass out, though that does get you on YouTube. Anyway, uh, the, uh, so, but, but anyway, as I've been studying this, I came up with all types of stats about the traditional family. And, you know, there's, I'm going to, when I say all types, I mean, I could list 20 different stats about the advantages of the traditional family. You know, uh, those who do not have the, the mother and daughter that, that uh, I'm sorry, the father and mother uh, in the family are like five times uh, more likely to end up in poverty, eight times more likely to end up in jail, that type of thing, added stuff. But the reason why I didn't come in with my list is because that's not the reason I'm saying what I'm saying. Now, li listen, when I, when I talk to Katie and Trey uh, at their wedding on Saturday, I'm going to tell them as, as their friend, I highly recommend uh, walking together, pursuing God. I love my life. I, I do. I, I love my marriage, and, and just I love being able to take my wife's hand and pray with her. I love to pursue God together. I think it's a great way to live, and I highly recommend and endorse that life for them. But I'm not just saying, hey, this is why we uh, promote the traditional family is because that works. So in other words, if the data and all the little stats about the traditional family go south, I don't care. I am still going to teach what God's Word says. Am I making some sense there? I don't want to use that as my argument. Hey, here's why I'm promoting the traditional family, because it works. Well, it does work, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because that's what God's Word says. I want to say that as kindly, but as honestly, and in some ways as boldly as I possibly can. Now, again, before I get to that text, i got two quotes that I came across in my study this week that I wanted to share with you. One is this one that I just, this just really caught me. God does not exist to make marriage work. Now, again, do I think Mary, he makes marriage work? Yes. But at the same time, God does not exist to make marriage work. Marriage exists to show God's greatness. And it is just a reminder in everything again that it is, it is about him and not me. I was thinking about this this morning that, you know, I've mentioned to you, and I, I like to be as transparent about these things. There are times in my life when I look at God and say, what? What in the world? Okay, why? Why, God? Why is this happening? I don't get this. God, you know, really, is this, is this what's happening? Those times, however, are met with a loving father and a rebuke to my heart that eventually says, you're God. I was remembering a very significant uh, time in my life. I don't remember how, years, how many years ago it was. A friend called us up. Uh, a friend was sick and had some tickets to a concert. And uh, the concert was 
Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith, good old time guy. They were doing a concert over in Maryville, and uh, she said, I can't go. I'm sick. Do you two want to go? We we're like, free concert. We're in. Uh, I remember it well. It was a Sunday evening. I know it was Sunday because I remember the Steelers were playing the Giants, and I had to sneak out into the lobby to watch some of the game, and James Harrison had to snap the ball because the long snapper got hurt, and he snapped it over the head, and we lost. But anyway, uh, but uh, I do remember it was Sunday, but I also remember this, and this has stuck with me forever. Uh, when uh, This was the first concert that Stephen Curtis Chapman had done after, and if, if you don't know who this is, it's a Christian singer, but uh, he, they had a little adopted girl that his son, his teenage son, had pulled in the driveway and ran her over and killed her. And uh, he had taken some time away from ministry because of that. And uh, with that, um, this is the first time he came back, and I remember him telling that story. And then he sang a song that basically said this, you're God and I am not. And he talks about how he eventually had to come to that place where you're God and I am not. And that's a place that God brings me back to many times because a lot of times, uh, you know, my, in my infinite wisdom, I'm questioning the God who, who does every, everything well. And I mention that just to remind us, even as we talk about marriage, remember it is not really all about us. It is all about Him. That's what I'm kind of getting at. It's about Him, for He is God. The other quote is kind of a hard-hitting quote. It's by a guy by the name of Howard Hendricks. Uh, but he said, if your faith doesn't work at home, then it doesn't work, and don't export it, <laughs> okay? Very simply, uh, when the Apostle Paul is writing here, he says, okay, here's what the Spirit-filled life looks like. Here's what it looks like to, to uh, follow after God. Here's how it shows up in your life, and, I'm sorry, in your home life. And very simply, it should be showing up in your home life, Okay? Can I say this, if there is a, ever a place where me or any other pastor you know has, is not treating his wife right, you need to have a long talk with that boy, okay? I mean, seriously, and I know you do this, Dennis. I know, I know the elders would get together and they'd say, okay, you got a little issue here. We'd like to get you some help, but if I don't want some help and I, you know, and I think there's no problem, then it's time to say bye-bye, bye-bye. Don't export your faith if, it does, if it's not working in your own home. Uh, is, the, is that I, idea and how crucial this is. I mentioned in a little, uh, in a little preview that we do in the uh, Community Connection, the newsletter that was sent out during the week, I mentioned that I was, I was reading about s uh, some different guys that were very successful in business. And one in particular was asked, he said, is it possible to be excellent at work and then also at home? And he goes, no. It's not. Uh, he said it just takes too much time, too much commitment, too much effort. You can't do both. Now, I disagree with him. I want you to know that. I do, I do disagree with him. I think there are those who have proven him wrong that they can be excellent at both. But the point he was making is family takes some effort. Okay? And if it's a secondary thought in your mind that, you know, okay, I'll give them what I have left over, it ain't going to work. Okay? So, are you ready? Let's go into our text. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, ready? Here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Hey, let me just stop for one second. I'm not going to do too, too much because this text really preaches for itself. But I do want you to notice it says to your own husbands. Um, the word submit, you may have heard this, actually does not appear in some of the original texts. 
Okay, and you say, oh, aha, I knew there's a loophole. Uh, but uh, it, that is true. It does not appear in all of the original texts. However, the, the verse right before it said, submit to one another. Wives, this is how you submit to your husbands in, the, in this way. So it is very strong that it is in there. And that's why uh, the, the uh, translation is that we have, have that word in there. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now it says to your own husbands. Okay, just just a little side for a second. You ever know the, the guy that's like, you need to do what I say because I'm a man and you're a woman. It does not say that. Okay, it says this is for the marriage relationship to make it work well, how God set it up. This is not for men to go around and tell women what to do and say, because the Bible says uh, that I'm better than you. Uh, okay, so if somebody gets that idea, it is wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For as the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, or he is the head of the wife, he is, statement there, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and his, himself, he is its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay, first of all, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that, the, again, this is God's structure. Uh, the man is the head of the home. Can I say this to you guys? You are leading your home. I don't know where you're leading, but you're leading your home. Seriously, you're, you're leading them towards God or away from God or into oblivion, but you're leading your home because the Bible says you're the head of the home. Okay, now, with that, uh, before we get into, I have a definition of submission that I want to show you that, that I think is real good, but uh, I want to mention a couple things that it is not. The idea of submission does not mean that husband and wife are unequal. Okay, they have different roles is what it is saying. It's not saying unequal. Great illustration of that is the divine trinity where you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is not the same as the Son. They are three unique people. The Son is not the same as the Spirit. The Spirit is not the same as the Father, but all three are God. The Spirit is God. The, the Father is God. The Son is God. Okay, so they are equal. You say, but wait a minute, didn't the Son do the will of the Father? yes. That's exactly my point. Not because a uh, lesser, that he had a different role, and that's what he did. And the Spirit would obey the Son. Uh, he says, too, the Spirit will do my, my will. Okay, so this is not a uh, man is better or whatever like that. Uh, it is the roles that God gives in the marriage to make it work. That they're not unequal, however. Uh, the Bible gives us also the idea that um, we are to obey God first, not man. So it is not, I must agree to everything and do everything he says uh, if he is telling me to do that, which is wrong. It is definitely not a command that women ought to stay and live in fear. The Bible says there is no fear in love. So it is not that idea. In fact, I wanted to say this. Um, I would be goofy, a fool, to, uh, to not, I don't know how to say it, to lord over my wife and everything and just, you know, ah, what I say goes, and not really talk to her about things. Kind of goofy, goofy to say the least. Now listen, I'm smarter than my wife. <laughs> She's not in the hallway today. Stay with me on this one. Uh, but what I mean is, I can list all the presidents, Washington through Biden, just like that. In fact, I can name their vice presidents. I can name all the states and their capitals. Math, I'm a whole lot better than her, except when it comes to figuring out sale prices. She's like that. She has an instant calculator in her head. Oh, 25% off? That'll be this. I'm like, I have no, okay. uh, I have no idea. I don't know. She was just has that built in uh, like, like that. But uh, there are a lot of, if you want to say goofy little facts, I could kill her in jeopardy. 
I mean, it's not even close. In fact, I could kill her in Bible trivia, too. I'm just saying like that. However, and this is something that's just in the case. This is a big however. Uh, first of all, I hope she doesn't listen to the sermon. Secondly, uh, secondly, the big however is this. She has always had a wisdom that I don't have. And a lot of times when the kids would come and ask me things, I did say, you know what, let's go talk to mom about that one. Because a couple things, uh, she just has a calmness and a, and a wisdom to think through things. She also, now listen to this one, <laughs> she also has had a much better walk with the Lord than I have over the years. Just plain and simple. I mean, she has had a consistent, you know, smooth walk with the Lord where sometimes I'm up and down and flying all over the place where, where she has learned to maintain uh, that walk with the Lord. And because of that, she has a peace and a trusting in Him. I would be a moron not to seek her not to talk to her, and not to really, really listen. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Uh, that's a good idea. And by the way, let, let me say this about that. You say, well, then you're saying your wife is the spiritual leader. I'd, I will say my wife is a more spiritual person than I am. By the way, uh, 85% of the Christian material to, that uh, people buy to work on their marriages and child-rearing is bought by, finish, men or women? Women. Okay, uh, the uh, podcast, many more women listening and, and growing in, in that way. Church attendance, many more women uh, l- like that. So, but, but I don't necessarily think I have to be, if you will, more spiritual than my wife, but I can still lead her you know, in the right direction. Okay, this is the direction I'm going. She may be more spiritual than I am. In fact, she is more spiritual th- than I am in that way. So, anyway, I wanted to give those as a little bit, if you want to say, caveat there, but here's a definition that John Piper had of submission that I thought was pretty good. It is the divine calling of a wife to help affirm a husband's leadership and help him carry it through according to her gifts. I thought, you know, largely, again, you say, well, then, bottom line is, who's, if, if Francis and I ever get to the place where it's like, hey, we just cannot agree on this, I believe that she would willingly say, okay. Your call, buddy. Uh, that, that's where we're going. But, uh, but it is not just a, you, you, don't, you get what I'm saying. It's not just a woman, you know, do what I said, uh, that type of thing. I do believe there are different roles, and I do believe the husband is the head. That's, that's how God set it up. If I didn't believe it, I'd just be saying, God, you're wrong there. You got that wrong. However, uh, please, you know, stay with me on, on that whole thing there. Okay, let's go on. And uh, the section where it talks about husbands is a little longer. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the words so that he might present the church to himself, Jesus, in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. We sang about that today. God, we praise him, the one who has made us holy. In the same way, Husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wives loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because he will, uh, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a mystery. It is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay. Now, if you read, the, if you could read through those verses with me, and if you're thinking about those verses and you miss this idea, I th- you really missed it. 
okay? If I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church, that's got to be there. I want to, um, AJ, I don't know if you remember this. It's your wedding. If you remember anything about your wedding, remember that? How long ago was that now? Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, bad question. See, there we're already started marital problems. Okay. Uh, I think it was like two and a half years ago. Does that sound right? Year and a half. Okay, good. Time flies when I don't know what is happening. Okay. Uh, but uh, I remember I did AJ's wedding because I, I had done a, a wedding for a, uh, a policeman down in Indianapolis, too. And I thought, man, this is easy because right on the side of their car, it says these words, serve and protect. And I was like, dude. You got a daily reminder. Uh, here's what you want to do. You want to serve your wife. You want to protect her. You want to love her as Christ loved the church. That's real profound that you, that, that, you know, that you could take that and go with that and run with that, that this is, that this is what I want to do. Uh, I ought to be willing then to lay down my life. Now, when you look at these things, there definitely is... When God goes through these different relationships, He says wives, husbands, then He says children, parents, and then He says workers, bosses. And there definitely is a, listen, if the husband loves sacrificially, is a whole lot easier to, for the wife to place herself under his leadership. If she does that, it's a whole lot easier for him to love her sacrificially. If, she do, if, uh, if he does that more, it's all, you see what's happening here? But you can reverse that cycle. Okay? In other words, if he does not love her well, it's really hard to place herself under his leadership. And uh, therefore, it's harder to love her. And therefore, it's harder to you see, what, see what we're doing there. The cycle goes the wrong way. Now, I don't really believe in a covenant relationship that I can say, I am not going to love my wife well because she doesn't submit at all. My command is to love her regardless. I'm not saying I am free from that command. What I'm saying is, it's a whole lot easier, and it works a whole lot better when both are working together on this. Does that make a little bit of sense uh, to go with that? Okay, so uh, so we're going to go ahead and move on here. I, I guess I did want to stress this, though, before we do. In marriage, uh, this is, you know, we just took 10 minutes and talked about it. If this is something where the whole thing is like, man, we need to get some help, here, here's how that would work around here a little bit. I would love to sit down and talk with any couple that would like to talk. Um, and, uh, and I would do so completely confidentially, I promise you. But I am not super trained in marriage counseling, so probably after a time or two meeting with me, if I thought we should, I might send you to somebody else. I, I didn't want you to know that. But I want you to know that that is an avenue that is, might well be worth taking. Okay, let's go on. Next, uh, next text, we're going to jump over here to the kids now. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Why? Because this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I've mentioned this before. I think I had a misunderstanding here. I always thought the, the promise was long life, okay? The promise specifically in the Old Testament is that they would live long in the land that God was giving them. I always was kind of like, God, I don't really know that I want super long life, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, you know, when things start falling apart, I just, uh, I'm out of here. Uh, but, uh, but what this is, it really is, is just common sense in a lot of ways. Especially if you think about in situations where children were sometimes put to death for disobedience. So it makes sense. Obey your parents. You'll have longer life. Uh, 
And not only that, it's just the whole idea of safety. I don't have any kids. I can use the illustration right now, but I do have a dog. Uh, and the one time when I have the hardest time sometimes with my wife, just uh, she just scares me, is sometimes when she'll scream at the dog because we're walking the dog, and the dog uh, runs out in front of a car or something like that, and it's, get out! I'm like, oh, my wife, what she just turned into here? Uh, what happened here? But why is she screaming like that? Why is she yelling like, like that? Because of she's trying to keep it safe. And... So the idea is, yes, children obey for a long life. Parents, if you love your children, then you're going to teach obedience. Does that make sense? That obedience does begin. <laughs> Sorry, first time I typed this in, I have no idea. Well, I do know why. My grandkids are going through potty training, and it must have been on my mind. So the first time I typed this in, I typed, obedience starts with potty training. Uh, fortunately, I did catch it before we have it here this morning. Uh, but um, but it, it is you know God's plan that parents be there to teach. You know, uh, in my daughter's house, the people before them had all these childproof things on the cabinets and closet, you know what I'm talking about, all these locks, which, you know, that's a good idea, that's nice, except I can't get in any other cabinets. Uh, I always have to ask for help. Uh, what's going on? But uh, when, now, I'm going to sound like the old guy here. Okay, you ready? When I was a kid, we had a different plan. We told him not to go into cabinets. That was it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but regardless of how you want to be teaching kids to obey for their own good, for their own health. That is an act of love. That's why God wants us to obey Him because He knows what's best for us. Make good sense? I hope it does. Uh, that is why we teach obedience. Okay, so let's turn this around now and uh, read the, uh, more of our text. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, some translations use the word exasperate there, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Kind of looked and said, okay, fathers. It doesn't say parents. Uh, I think most of the scholars that I looked at agree that this is parents, that it is largely anybody in that role. However, there's some that said maybe he focused more on the fathers uh, because of the idea that the father it gives us the picture of the heavenly father in a lot of ways like that. So maybe this is perhaps why he focused there. Regardless, though, notice what the, uh, what the instruction there is. Do not provoke your children to anger uh, or do not exasperate your children, whether that be done through inconsistencies, broken promises, disciplining out of anger. Now, again, when, when my kids were little, uh, where I fell apart on this sometimes was disciplining, number one. Actually, I was pretty good about not disciplining when I was angry, but I did discipline when I was embarrassed. Okay, do you know what I mean? Because I work at the church, you know. My kids have to be good. And if they're not, they make me look bad. So therefore, I'm disciplining them because they're making me look bad. Wrong! Okay. Uh, I want to discipline them as the Father does, which means, again, it is for their love, it is for their protection uh, that, I, that I want to teach them. Uh, many fathers and parents, because of expectations, can discourage their children okay, uh, can get them frustrated. Somebody said this, fathers, our job is to find out what they're good at and become their biggest cheerleader. And you know, sometimes we have a certain mold we have to uh, push our kids into. You know, the example that comes to mind is sports. You know, I love sports, so therefore my kids got to be the all-star and everything like that. And, you know, we're going to push them that way no, no matter what. Find out what they really enjoy uh, and become their biggest cheerleader as far as that goes. 
But understanding this, you know, the Scripture says that we are to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. They must be taught to do right. This is something that we need to take incredibly seriously. Now, folks, that was a flyover. In fact, I didn't even get to the next couple verses, which are about uh, servants and bosses, okay, which have an, another relationship there. But I do want to go ahead and stop there and, and come back to something that I think is very important. I said at the beginning I want to stress the importance of the traditional family. I also want to us to all be aware, and we are, that we live in a very broken world. And therefore, we already have some families that, for whatever reason, that's not possible. Maybe because of death, maybe because of divorce, maybe because of whatever like that, and that is, that is very tough. And what I want to, there's a, there's a movie, it's actually out now at Movies 14, I don't think it's anywhere else. Uh, this is those, uh, what are those guys' name? the Kent, Kent? Kendrick brothers that have done the fireproof and the facing the giants and and uh, all those things like that, but uh, they have a they have a film out that right now called Show Me the Father, and it largely, uh, not completely, but largely it is some of these folks like for example the founder of Focus on the Family Jim Daly, uh, that he did not have a father figure in his life, and he just talked about seeing the heavenly Father as the Father. And I want to say that in the brokenness that is our world today, you know, I, I don't want anybody to come, oh, Pastor, say you've got to have a traditional family. In the brokenness of our world today, we have a Redeemer, a one who rescues us out of our brokenness, a one who is the father to the fatherless. And we also have a church that can help us in that way. We were in a men's group last week, and one of the guys was talking about how he had to raise his daughters without a mother. And just talked about how the, he called, excuse me, how he, <laughs> I have trouble with that microphone, uh, how he called on the church to uh, support and how, you know, he, he did that to try to help him with what he was doing there. But I want us to just remember that in our brokenness, we're not perfect at these things, but in our broken, brokenness, we have the God who is the Redeemer. We have His Spirit. We have His strength. And we have Him working in this way. And though, I again, I could give you these stats and say, hey, kids that come out of... Uh, you know, traditional homes have a lot better chance. God really doesn't care about those stats. I don't know how else to say that as, as far as He can redeem any situation. Okay, and I, I want to make sure that's plain. But the key to that is this, is that we can look to Him as Heavenly Father. Okay, we can look to Him and say, you know, show me the Father, I, I need to know Him. And I, I need to stress again that the only way that is possible, the only way we get to say, I am a child of God, is through adoption into His family, which only comes through Jesus Christ. Okay? And I am deliberately using that word only over and over again because those are the words of Christ. He says, no man comes to the Father but by me. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we, we can experience adoption into His family. And we can point to and, sh and show others the Father. Uh, by the way, um, I, I haven't got a chance to see this yet. I don't know how long it will be out. It's been out this past week, and I know it is out the coming week. Like I said, I only saw it at Movies 14. Probably well worth our time. I think it's, a, it's about an hour and 30 minutes. You know, just to look at that, that whole idea and focus on that Heavenly Father. Um, 
whenever, some of you might remember I did this a few weeks ago, whenever I preach a sermon that is, in the old school they used to say, man, it kind of plows close to the corn. Okay, you know, kind of digs up stuff like that. When we get into, you know, saying things like, wives, you know, submit to husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. I mean, really, did, <laughs> anybody else overwhelmed by that? <laughs> wow. Uh, children, obey. Parents, don't exasperate your kids. You're supposed to teach them and instruct them in the Lord. Um, when, whenever I get into these things that are very much like, okay, you know, here's this list of things to do or whatever like that or things that we want to work on, I want to remind you of the importance of saying, God, what did you bring me here for today? Okay, what, what's the message you have for me? In other words, this is not a sermon to sharpen your elbows. Yeah, like you really love me like Christ loved the church. Uh, get off for your lazy, you know, that, that type of thing. Uh, this is not the time to sharpen your elbows and see who else you can point to and show what they're doing wrong. It is a time to, to bow before the Lord and just say, God, I want to hear from you today. What is the message that you have? And if you can tell, my heart is, is a little extra heavy in that, talking about this before, we all live in, in, in a world with so much brokenness. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at somebody who drives the school bus here in Edwardsburg. I'm looking at somebody who teaches in Brandywine. I'm, I'm looking at somebody who's been in the schools of Benton Harbor and, and uh, like that, and we just see so much brokenness as far as families is concerned. It's, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It really is. I mean, you know, just to see these things. But I wanted to, as much as I could with everything, bring the message of redeeming hope and let us know that when our home follows God's pattern, it is the most powerful light to a lost world, if we can see that. And that's why that quote I put up there about Howard Hendricks is, is so important. If your faith isn't working at home, it's not working, don't export it. But when our homes demonstrate this, so I want to encourage you just, God, help uh, couples, I want to encourage you to pray together. God, help us to reflect you in our marriage. Help us to show our kids what this looks like. Uh, pray and lift up those who are going alone, single dads and single moms that are facing this alone. Pray and lift them up. God, they, they need you. They need your touch. They need your power. They need your strength. And then going beyond praying, if you know somebody, say, how can I help? How can I minister? How can, how can I help as far as that goes? You know, can I take your young man fishing? What, whatever, you know, what, whatever they would enjoy and what would be good like that. Because this, when God said, what does it look like to walk and follow me? He spent a lot of time on the family. Big deal, I guess is what I'm saying. And it's well worth us taking a little time today to focus on our family. Our Father, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lord, I, I, I'm a, I get stuck a lot of times at this point because, again, I, I want to step in and do your work. I want, I want so much everybody to get stuff like this. I want, you know, in my heart, I, I want those whose marriage are struggling to get some help. Um, I want you to break through the walls of pride that might keep others, you know, just from asking for help. And, Lord, I really do... <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking of 
There's a couple getting married on Saturday and, and uh, others that going to be part of the get married. I just want them to know what it is like to walk together following you. It's awesome, Lord. And uh, in my power, I want to make it happen. And in my power, I can't make it happen. Father, would you produce in us a revival in our homes, uh, in our individual lives, in our marriages, in our child-rearing? Spirit of God, shape us and change us. And powerfully use our homes as a witness to a world that needs to see this, I pray in your name. Amen. Okay. Now, at this point, uh, I actually thought, you know, maybe I'd take a minute. We're, we're done time as far as kids go and stuff like that, so I'm not going to do that. I th thought I'd take a minute and show the trailer, but we're not going to do that. But because I said that, I told the uh, music group we didn't need them at the end, so we do not have a song at the end. Can you leave without a song? Okay. Uh, hopefully you can. Um, yeah, I hope you kind of sense... <laughs> You know, there are some sermons that I'll tell you when I start that I'm just so excited about. And this is, I get to share this. How awesome. I really all week have been kind of overwhelmed with this sermon a little bit. Uh, because I, 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 I so desperately think this is something that we need. And to be honest with you, it's not just fun, straight up. It's, it's not just, ah, this is awesome to talk about. Uh, this is excited. But, uh, but. And that's why, you know, I pray at the beginning that we'll understand that these words and these instructions come from the one who is perfect in his knowledge and perfect in his love. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.